0: i i'm a bit more forgiving now (laughs) because like in my side hobby as someone that runs like tabletop games like DD is like i'm i'm the george lucas Mm -hmm. right so i'm trying to figure out my continuity and keep that all straight and you can do Specifically in Dungeons and Dragons, you can go and say, all right, here's a setting book, here's Faerun, the classic setting, here's a giant continent-wide map, that city's there, and that city's there, blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And you can go, all right, I'm going to accept 80% of that. Or you can go, I'm going to accept the basic concept of Fantasyland and write my own thing, right? So it's what restraints, and your players may come in and be like, oh, no no, 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 I'm, I'm expecting Faerun. And you're like, we're not doing Faerun. We're doing a different thing. Oh, I'm expecting, you know, this magic to work this way. And like, I tweaked it. It's actually different. Mm. And at least between a dungeon master and a player, you can have that conversation. But it's, it's totally separate from most other medium where it's like, I've made a thing. Please don't throw rotten fruit at me.
1: Right, right. Um, but the thing about that is like, it's a brand, you know? And a brand is an identity. A brand is, it's like if you're playing in a, um, a designated area, it's the borders, right? You got the walls, you know, the brand has the walls. It only goes like 20 feet out. Each side It's a square. You know, the weapon of choice, whatever, or the tools you have at hand is like a baseball bat and a baseball, right? And you have a certain set rules. Now, granted, somebody might want to, you know, add a football to the game, but that's not what the brand is. And so I think there is a thing where if it's a brand, then, you know, like Mickey should have two ears, not three. Batman's parents were killed in Crime Alley. You know, just certain, just certain things. And depending on the IP, you might have all these things and you just kind of kind of work around it in a way because you kind of messing with people expectations you know and, and even though it might be old to you because you've seen it a million times right that's that's why they, that's why they're coming back is for that same thing if they're looking for something new they would go to a different property so i understand that there could be some wiggle room within that you know game or within those borders and stuff but i think that like you said it's a percentage that you could just cross that line and it's almost like what is this? Right.
0: And and it's and there's different ways of crossing those lines. There's like, right. who is this character type lines? Right. Who is Superman? Who is Luke Skywalker? Who is, you know, whoever. Mm-hmm. That is a specific character. Granted, something like Superman or Peter Parker or Spider-Man, like there's tons of different iterations on that character. But they all, they fit into sort of a box. Some right. jump out of them from kind of time to time right but for how things work that's totally different right right? how does the forest work how does hyperspace work how does this work how does that work that affects the whole goddamn world yeah right i mean going back to uh, mcu the marvel cinematic universe like once they introduced Doctor Strange and his little teleportation circles. Right. Well, fuck, we can all use the teleportation circles as long as it's a character that knows how to use it. Mm -hmm. So that's why you can get Wong using that in Shang-Chi, right? Like, hey, there's Wong. Boom. He does a teleport, right? Like, Mm -hmm. it's set up now. It's part of the world. And that will work as expected until someone changes the way that it works, right? Mm -hmm. Explain in a new way, right? Like rewriting Wanda's sort of ability set, right? right? Mm -hmm. It's a light retcon because you're expanding on what it does and how it can be used. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But that's different from, oh, no, they never worked like that. Wait, what? What? Right? If you're like, oh, it's actually this. And it's always been that those those work so damn well, yeah. like. Um, so when they rebooted Green Lantern, right? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry if you don't know Green Lantern. I'm going to go into rant here. So, <laughs> back in the late '90s, comics were extreme. So they killed Superman. They did all sorts of crazy stuff as part of that. Hal Jordan, Mister Green Lantern, got his home city wrecked like wiped off the face of the map nuclear explosion and that uh, you know kind of sent him over the edge a little bit so he decided i'm gonna go back and get all the green lantern rings and the power of oa blah 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 so i can resurrect my city so he goes back and slaughters a whole bunch of his fellow green lanterns goes to the dark side basically turns into a super villain like it's a whole thing eventually people have to stop him from like rewriting reality And he eventually sacrifices himself in the last moment of like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. I'm going to sacrifice myself to restart the sun. Mm. So he's gone, Hal's dead, vilified. They do other stuff I'm not going to get into, but they manage a writer comes and says, I'm going to bring back Hal Jordan. I'm going to say that he did all that stuff because there was this always existing evil entity called Parallax, which is what Hal called himself after he went evil. That actually infected him, made him do all this stuff. And it just like took everything about the mythos, Mm -hmm. sort of codified it, said, yes, this, yes, that, yes, and this, yes, but that, yes, this, yes, that. And just like, it was amazing. Like (laughs) that That run was so great because it did things... A lot of people look at Green Lantern and like, oh, he's got a magic ring that, like, yeah, he uses willpower and he can do whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. And so, what they did is, in one one segment, they had well, his buddy, Green Arrow, mm-hmm. he had Hal's ring. And bad guy Sinestro was about to kill off another Green Lantern and he had the upper hand. And he, Gr- Green Arrow Ollie is trying to use Hal's ring. And he's like, Arr! and Sinestro's like, bitch. You don't know how hard that is. You can't fucking man up and do it. Right. Like you betrayed Hal and like got him killed. You're not gonna be able to use his his fucking ring, you're a bitch, and turns his back on him and always like motherfucker and manifests a green arrow and shoots it into the back of Sinestro. And immediately he's like, Oh, I'm exhausted. And the other Green Lantern grabs Ollie and drags him out of there before Sinestra blows the place up. And Ollie's like, oh, my God, I feel like I just ran like a fucking marathon. He's like, is it like that every time? And Kyle's like, yeah, it's like that every time you use the ring. And he's just like, damn. And so that scene, which has, you know, emotional weight to it and everything else like that. But it's also like, oh, shit. Every time one of the Green Lanterns do this thing that requires willpower, it's not a little bit of willpower. It's a truckload of willpower, and it Mm. automatically makes every single Green Lantern that much badass
1: yeah right yeah yeah. And that's a
0: retcon that's a total change that was never established before but it added to it
1: right 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 made it, this other thing it was it, witty and it, and it was creative within the parameters of the spacing right which which was brilliant but that's almost right. kind of like that whole thing about superman talking about like almost like the world is like paper and he always got to be very <laughs> careful so he can't hurt anything like right. cardboard world speech yeah exactly he had to be so careful with everything he does because he could potentially just destroy everything.
0: Right, and that's so. when it's like, oh yeah, Superman's strong. It's like no. No. He's <laughs> been holding back the, the whole,
1: whole time.
0: time. <laughs> and it's like, you buddy, you can you take, can take it. it. Here we
1: go. <laughs> bam, bam, bam. <laughs> oh, no, you could take it. Oh man, that was so powerful. Oh, Justice League Unlimited. My, Oh man. You, you, you talk man, I still revisit that show. Yeah, uh, but, but that that it just had so many moments. Like it it, it, don't, it don't make no sense why why those DC movies are where they at now when you had that. That was uh, a cartoon. That was a cartoon. That was oh boy, it didn't make no sense. It didn't make no sense.
0: Well right. that and that's a perfect case of Zack Snyder going way outside those boundaries of like yeah. I've got 20 30 maybe 50 60 percent of what this character is mm-hmm. and then really going somewhere else with the other 30 percent
1: yeah yeah I, I think he's messing with fundamentals and yes. that's what threw me off with him and his superman now was yeah. it a good movie it was fine but to me it wasn't a superman movie not exactly not, not to me now if it was any other character i'd be fine with it but it's, well, it was it was hit too many things that i needed to be there like you know it just wasn't enough mm-hmm. stuff lining up yeah so it was and, a good bad I, movie and that's—it's a similar
0: thing with the Last Jedi. There's mm-hmm. parts of it, things that he, things that he's doing with the characters, things that he's doing with sort of expectations of being a, 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 a Jedi, a hero, whatever. There's themes that he's talking about that in a different movie. Yeah. Fuck yes. Yeah. Like I get yeah. that, and he's obviously a very good director and a very yes, good writer. Is. Fucking yes, knives is. out is goddamn amazing. But it didn't work in that. And that's ignoring all the other sort of structural dumb shit that went on in that
1: movie. Yeah. We're out of gas. Oh no. Hey I would always think twice about what direction I was going when the main person in the movie where you got Mark Hamill saying, Hey, I don't this think is not the, my
0: character. It's not my
1: character, and I I don't think the fans are gonna like this. Now if he, if he's saying that and he's been with right. that character forever. Forever, you know, trust that he has a little insight. If, if, if the, you know, if the canary is, is dying in the coal mine, you, you need to listen. <laughs> right. You and you know, listen.
0: you know, on that, speaking of Mandalorian again. Yeah. End of season two. Spoilers, spoilers. Close earmuffs, earmuffs. Like Luke Skywalker shows up, right? Yeah. Saves the day. And it doesn't undermine anything else the other characters do. But it was really interesting watching all of the reaction videos. Because admittedly, when I watched it, I was like, Is that Luke? Is, that...? I was like, Is it? I'm like, Is yeah. it? I'm like, Oh, oh, it's Luke. Okay, cool. And, yeah. and sadly, that, that was like it. I was like, Oh, it's Luke. Okay, cool. Right. But I watched some of those reaction videos, and people are losing their shit, and people are crying. People are crying. Because, like, with some of these characters, Mm -hmm. like, I mean, we we have basically, so there's parasocial relationships, right? Where Mm -hmm. this happens a lot with YouTubers and influencers, but it also happens with fictional characters, Mm -hmm. right? We engage with them as if they're a person we know because we get to see all their internal thoughts a lot of times. We get to see all their... We connect with them like they're our best friends. Right, right. And for a lot of us, we've known them since we were a kid. And like, Superman's a hero, Spider-Man's a hero, da-da-da-da. So these moments where they show up out of the fucking blue and they're the Calvary and they save the day. Right. right. Like, that's... uh, I, I... I I would think that would be up there with like you're in a rough, rough situation in real life Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and one of your mentors shows up like or, you know, assuming you have a good relationship with your dad or your mom, Mm -hmm. one of your parents just like shows up out of the blue and saves the fucking day. Like, you know, it's that. So I get why some people are upset when they get the characterization of Luke Skywalker a little off because it's really upsetting. You're changing this person. I know it's psychologically it's on that level. It's not, Oh, you've messed up this fictional character's interpretation. It's like, no, you you're changing my friend, my hero, my role model. Right. Right. So the upsetness over that. Oh yeah. hundred percent. The, um, trying to get people fired or chased off of Twitter. Uh.
1: Realizing it was Luke that was coming to save GroKu. Why do you feel that you were kind of like, eh, about it? Like it was cool, but you wasn't like, like I said, the reaction videos to the crying I've been and people trying screaming. to figure that
0: out for a while. I was like, okay, well, that, that looks like, it is, is it a green lightsaber? Not yet. Yeah. yeah, okay, it's green lightsaber. Is that his belt? It was just like, yeah. are they? Like, I almost didn't believe that they were going to do it. Yeah. That really what it came down to. I was like, are they? Yeah. are they? oh they're fucking doing it which i think just took me out of it too much of i was playing the what's going to happen plot wise what are the creators doing not
1: you think it's so much you're not you're not in the moment right you're busy trying to calculate trying to figure out yeah
0: right because like even when the x-wing showed up i was like huh is it one of the pilots Hmm. weird but "Mm, the music's playing like "Eh." and i was like oh okay we got but is it a bad guy i'm like no Hmm. What? And part of it was like, why is he still wearing all black? Mm-hmm. Like, because yeah. yeah. like this is supposed to be a little bit after Return of the like Return of the Jedi. I would figure he'd be like, oh, you know, I'm wearing all this black because I was slipping towards becoming my father. I mean, that thematically is why he was wearing yeah. black.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, literally mm-hmm. to the point where, when his when his jacket flap comes open. Yeah. And it's white on the inside because that's him getting to the point of like, oh, I've made a horrible mistake. I'm going to back away from the dark side. It's literally down to the costuming. So anyway, when he shows up and he's still all in black, I was like, oh, why is Luke still wearing black? And it, was, it, just, it just took me out of it too much. And yeah. I did that to myself.
1: No, no. I kind of had a similar kind of feeling about the whole thing. It kind of remind me of what people would call like stunt casting in a way. It's almost yeah. kind of like that show went so far on its own. Where, mm-hmm. where I was kind of done with the movies in a way or just kind of like feeling, you know, a ways about the movies. And this thing came out of nowhere and it was just so, it was encapsulated. It was his it was own little world. And mm-hmm. so you would think that it would have needed all this stuff to kind of connect it to make you feel like, hey man, you know, you need this special person or from this movie or this person to show up to make you like the show. That show earned its own place. Exactly. So, so for it to pull that at... When it didn't really need it, when it's done so great on its own, it's almost kind of like, why are you pulling that mess into here for? It's kind of like it didn't really need it, and if he was gonna do it, do it in a different way where it didn't feel like. Because, like I said, that show survived that long without it, and the people that needed to kind of yeah. get folded in, I felt that it was his own world, and it could have did what it was cool well, that he was there, but I think it could have did without Luke being it was, there.
0: It was his own world to an extent because. Because you got Dave, I'm going to talk I what his name right, Dave Fellini? Dave mm-hmm. Fellini, mm-hmm. right? Did yeah. Clone Wars, did uh, Rebels, right? Basically, George Lucas's anointed carrier of the lore.
1: Right.
0: He was just dropping little things in season one that ties it oh, yeah. into the rest of the lore. In season yeah. two, they went heavy, yeah, yeah, right? Because yeah. you got Boba Fett, Boba Fett Ahsoka, yeah. Yeah. right? All the rest of it. So they were tying it more into the wider universe. But I kind of just thought of it as like, no, that's a nice cherry on top because it Luke fits exactly what they needed, which granted it wasn't accidental. Like they're setting up a Jedi needs to take care of growth. Yeah. Valid point. Well, what Jedi are there? Well, there's Ahsoka, but she's not, she's not taking them because she's also not a Jedi. Yeah. (laughs) She left the Jedi. So who's left? Because technically all the rest of them are supposed to be dead. So either we have to set up a totally unknown Jedi who has somehow survived, and why did that happen, continuity, and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, we got we got Luke. We got yeah. Luke. Why don't we just use Luke, right? And, and not, not have to do all this other explaining of who this new person is, right? Mm-hmm so i i wasn't like oh how dare they i was like yeah that works because luke's gonna go off and do whatever okay and hopefully grogu leaves his academy before ben solo murders everyone Mm
1: -hmm. okay that's
0: the fun thing when you're like oh wait a minute all of luke's students died
1: yeah i was kind of thinking of it almost how like you know maybe a better example would be like teen titan is fine you kind of like all the characters you you, you like Robin on his own you, with Starfire and everybody. And then Batman just kind of keeps showing up or he shows up it's like, well, I don't really need Batman here, right. you know, like like they're strong on their own. And I know he's he's connected to Batman and stuff. But do you really need Batman to come in and help save the situation when they kind of got their own thing? Um, but the way, you, the way you said it with, with Luke, then that makes sense. Especially I forgot about the whole thing about all the Jedi being, you know, taken out and stuff. So right. so. You logically made it make sense, so I I I respect that. But for so, like I said, but when I seen him there, as cool as it was, I thought I would have felt more for it, considering what that was. Right. But but you know.
0: Yeah, and you know, you you were talking earlier about like you know being satisfied with the things that they pulled in, Mm -hmm. right, from the old continuity. So like, Admiral, I'm gonna try and pronounce it right, Thrawn. -hmm. Right, which got included in Rebels and Ahsoka is clearly looking for Thrawn. He's he's from the books. He's from the books. That's where he originated. I think he had like two two trilogies where he's like one of the antagonists. Right. And that's like, oh, cool. They're they're cherry-picking nice things. And there's tons of stuff that I'm totally satisfied with them leaving on the the drawing board or the drawing table. Mm -hmm. But there's other weird things in there that are also like weird force. (laughs) sort of rule breaking things so like they had this whole thing oh there's one of the Thrawn trilogies they find some planet where there's some little weird little creature a little cat sized creature and it just pushes the force away from it so there's these weird little bubbles Hmm. where the force can't sense or do anything Hmm. right which is like uh Okay. <laughs> and basically, I'm sure what it is, is this is a, a, essentially a kryptonite, right? Superman needs to be made weak. We come up with kryptonite. Boom, he's got a weakness. Right. So the writers are like, damn, we've spent like 10 years like writing up how badass force users are like Luke. We need to throw a curveball. Um, let's come up with this rare creature so the bad guys can discover it. Mm-hmm. And it'll make it so that Luke can't censor do anything inside those little anti-force bubbles. That's Ah, oh, Cool, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's clearly limited because it's tied to a creature, mm-hmm. right? With the creature around, who has the creature, who knows where to get the creature, all this sort of stuff, blah, blah, blah. Right. And the funny thing is, Admiral Thrawn wasn't using it specifically to thwart Luke Skywalker. He had an insane Jedi clone who oh. he was working with and was like, I'm gonna become the new emperor, and he's like, I'm gonna keep my little fluffy pet right next to me at all times, so you can't fucking ch- force choke me. Thank you very much. <laughs> Please go back to work. That's dope. <laughs> all right. Like it became, it became a mechanic. Like sort of my my point earlier about like you know the technology works in a certain way and the magic, whatever it is, works in a certain way, is sometimes those are shortcuts to get a story beat. But sometimes those are specific limits mm-hmm. to create tension, right? To create a problem, to create a hurdle, yeah. right? Kryptonite is maybe not a great example of that because it's just too overblown, right? Yeah, yeah. But this limited creature mm-hmm. with its tiny little force bubble, mm-hmm. maybe just a couple feet across, I'm like, oh, okay. That, that creates an interesting situation where someone's regular ability, no work, no more. Yeah. So now I got to do this other thing which brings us to the Yuk-Jong-Vong. I'm going to try and pronounce that right. I looked it up on the back of one of the covers of the books. Okay. So, I don't know when they did this, but it was kind of late in sort of the book runs. I think this was like the, the New Jedi Order series. So, you know how in comics you have those big, big events? Kroll, king of darkness in the symbiote spawns is going to take over the universe. Well, right. Those big consequences, right. Mm-hmm. Where a thing's going to affect everyone and everything. Mm-hmm. So I like
1: think beyond and the secret wars and all that right? kind of stuff. Yeah.
0: So I think one or a bunch of the creatives that were responsible for the Star Wars books, which I think was under Lucasfilm was like, mm-hmm. we need to do that. We, we need to upset the order because we're just doing a whole bunch of, here's the new bad guy of the week, which is maybe a book or two or three books, and then they're done, and then da-da-da-da-da, and it's like, we got to really upset the status quo. Because at that point in the books, like, the new Republic was stable. They were the power in the galaxy again, right? They're dealing with, like, an imperial remnant, blah, blah, blah. So someone's like, all right, let's come up with a bad guy that can take on the Republic, and fuck over Jedi. Mm-hmm. So they came up with the Yookishvang. I, I, I'm sure it's a mispronunciation. I don't care. Wong It's what I always call them. And basically, these guys come from literally outside the galaxy. They came from another galaxy. They flew all the way here in their little bio ships because all their technology is biological. Mm-hmm. And there's just tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of them, like a, a whole invading army. They're going to invade the galaxy. And they're, you know, biochemists, so they can send a little spore down to a planet and just, like, rewrite its entire ecology. Just, like, turn it all to biological goo that they can use to, like, make their new ships and all It's like, holy fuck, that's crazy. But they're basically, you've seen Hellraiser, they're they're the Cenobites, Pinhead. They're like, pain is existence, pain is everything, I will mutilate for further pain. And apparently, they're so far down the rabbit hole in that the Force wants nothing to do with them. Wow. So an entire species culture is invisible to the Force. Mm. So that means all the Force users not only are like, oh, I can't sense their presence, Mm -hmm. their Jedi reflexes don't work because they don't know what they're going to do. Wow. Right? Which is like... I go back and forth of, like, that is fucking bonkers, like, too much. But, like, it it works because now you've got a whole bunch of Jedi and some of them are really good fighting with lightsabers, even without their abilities. And some of them rely a lot on their reflexes. So you see a lot of Jedi freaking go down. Because at this point, you know, Luke's built up his academy and the Jedi are back and, like... It, it, it's a whole bunch of like, I think like late nineties kind of extreme. Cause they, they, they kill off Chewbacca. They legit what? kill off. Yeah. And here's, here's the thing. A lot of times character deaths, this one was left field. Like I had no clue going into this book. It was going to happen, but they, they were upsetting the status quo for the galaxy. They're trying to upset the status quo for the characters. So Han, Chewie and Han's three kids. So him and Leia had twins. Yeah, Jason and Jasia, and they're like teenagers. They've gone. They're they're basically Jedi. They've gone through Luke's academy. They had a whole like young Jedi academy series. Read the shit out of that. Yeah. Chewie's nephew, the worst uncreative name ever of Lobaca, was one of their <laughs> friends. They're like, oh, let's come up with another uh, another name. Hmm. Chewie, Chewie, Lobaka. Cool. That's so anyway, Han's there, Chewie, his two twin kids, and their youngest kid, Anakin. Hmm. So they're on this planet, and they're basically there trying to, like, they, people are just becoming aware of this threat, Yoko and they're trying to, like, track down what's happening. They think something came here to this particular planet, and they're trying to track it down. And the the short version what happens is is they start to track sort of like they're they're looking for orbital things, things that Mm might have flown in. And one of the things they realize is like, hey, wait a minute. The moon's trajectory has been changing. Like it's getting closer to the planet. And every time it passes over this one spot over a specific continent, it gets a little bit closer. It gets pulled towards the planet. Mm. Because the Yuckish their coral ships... That move through space they don't use hyperspace they have gravity generators so they're actually like warping space time to move through space right right. they're basically pulling themselves through space so they sent basically a seedling of one of these things down to the planet and it's been growing in this desolate area and it got grown enough where it could start using its gravity generator and it's been pulling the moon down to the planet because they don't want to take over the planet, it's too strategic to the Republic. They're just going to destroy it. And by the time Han, Chewie, the rest of them figure this out, they're like, "Oh fuck, it's too late." The moon is destabilized; it's falling down to the planet. Like we've got a couple days before the whole like tectonic plates are just going to rupture from the gravity distortions. Wow! So they're like, "Oh fuck!" Like let let you know. Let the government know. Like. Get, get ships here immediately and so they're like we got the Millennium Falcon we're going to just start ferrying people up to the stable space station so they're going back and forth going back and forth picking people up and of course it's the last run and they go down and at this point like there's massive earthquakes there's volcanic eruptions here there everywhere and it's Han and Chewie basically down at the end of the ramp and they're just like pulling people into the ship right Anakin the youngest who could fly is, you know, at the controls. And what happens is one of the tectonic plates shifts
1: mm-hmm.
0: and like the whole ship gets thrown up and Chewie gets knocked away. And Anakin gets the ship into a hover and Han's like hanging on to the end of the ramp, pulls himself in. His two kids are like, dad, like, he's like, get Chewie, we gotta go back for Chewie. There's hurricanes, cause the whole planet's falling apart. Anakin flies in this. I'm maybe not getting this totally accurate. Cause I seem to recall Chewie when they come in close, Chewie throws someone onto the ramp. Oh, wow. And I don't know if that was Han or one of the other kids, but Chewie basically chucks one of the kids onto the ship. And then another big gust of wind comes and Anakin like can't hold the ship nearby and more volcanic eruptions. And so Han's kid is like, fuck I have to fly us away because either we go and get Chewie and we all die or we get the ship to safety. Wow. And so he flies away. And basically the last shot, this is of course in a book you get is like, like the smoke clears or something and Chewie's basically up on a precipice and he just gives out a big battle yell and then a volcanic eruption takes him.
1: Oh, wow right and it's like holy crap it was
0: gutting it was gutting but it was epic right and then like that that's changes the status quo for han like he like yeah he's married to leia but like his best friend
1: right
0: just fucking died and his kid's responsible kind of But that's not fair and so like han just like kind of goes on a bender and like like so doesn't quite like leave but he like he has to sort of find himself he has to find himself a new alien companion is really what it comes down to he runs into this other guys like part of this weird other species and like da, 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 da.
1: but <laughs> that's crazy hey this is jay And I hope you're enjoying the conversation so far. I just want to let you know that this conversation is part of a larger conversation that continues on the next episode. Thanks for listening.